Praise the Lord. Welcome to our Cross Time with Pastor Curtis broadcast on Friday morning, every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, I pray that you would help us get the uh, knowledge of these meetings out on social media, uh, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is you use. Just go to our uh, YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, where you'll find everything we do here at Crossway Church uploaded there. Copy the uh, web address and post it on your social media page. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or those who are sharing the gospel. And uh, help us, help be co-laborers with us to get the word of the truth of the gospel out among the whole world today. Uh, people tell me all the time, I was just sharing with the folks in here last night at a basketball game, a guy spoke to me and said, I watch your broadcast. I even watch your son preach some. And so, you know, you don't, you don't never know who you're helping. So just help us get the word out. Again, the YouTube channel is Curtis Hutchinson 316. Every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., uh, we are uh, teaching the book of Romans right from my desk in my office on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, just like this page. And uh, so I encourage you to, if you can't tune in live, go to the archives on the YouTube channel, find them, get your Bibles, paper, pencil, listen in, and God will bless you supremely as you hear, listen to me again, the word of the truth of the gospel. You can't separate those three words. If you do, you're, out, you're outside looking in. It has to be the word according to to the truth of the gospel. Then, then you're walking with the Lord. Then, then you're in place for what God has for you in this life. And so we're thankful to be here. Pray for our church plant in Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, which is the second weekend every single month. Uh, Friday nights at 7, Saturday morning 10 to 12. Uh, lunch, and so uh, Pastor Tommy Wiedelman will be speaking uh, this next month on the Friday night, and then I'll be doing 10 till lunch. It's at the Hampton Inn, 4217 Kemp Boulevard there in Wichita Falls, Texas. Great city, uh, lots of folks. They need a good gospel preaching church, and they need a good gospel preaching preacher. So be praying with us for a people and a pastor, and I know God's going to give it to them people there in that place. Uh, so, here we are today in Galatians chapter 5. We'll try to get through uh, the last few verses of this chapter. We started Galatians November of 2017, so we've been in it over a year. And uh, we'll, we'll probably, most likely, get through this unless y'all hold me up in a certain places today. Uh, but we're going to start in uh, verse 22 is, is where we've been. Uh, but before we move on and read through the fruit of the Spirit again, I, I need to make a, a comment uh, concerning uh, three verses, and that's 16, 18, and 24. In your Bibles, you need to highlight all three of these verses, and you need to draw lines from uh, the one to the other to the other. They all connect, and if, if you don't understand this, uh, you're not going to be able to walk where you really need to walk. You have to understand what the Bible is teaching. If you don't, again, you're just going to struggle. Things aren't going to work out for you. And, and, and don't make the mistake of thinking that God's just going to do what God's going to do. Because I'm going to tell you this morning, God's not just going to do what God wants to do. God's going to do what He finds. His will for your life only takes place by your faith. Not just uh, whatever goes. And this very letter to the Galatian church refutes any comments about God just does it anyway. I know it sounds awful sweet when we throw that word mercy in there and, and long-suffering and patient and God is all those things. But this letter to the Galatian church refutes any words concerning God just does it anyway. Uh, we fall from grace when our faith is not in the cross. We, 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 we separate ourselves from uh, the place where we can be affected by Christ and where we profit by Christ. The Bible teaches that in this very chapter, chapter 5. 
So when people come along and say, yeah, 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 but God still, no, all they're thinking about is some experience or some, that they're, they're, not, they're not attaching what they're saying to the Word. The Word says if your faith is not in the cross, you're outside of grace looking in, whether you know it or not. And, and Christ can't affect you, He can't profit you. That's the reason God says my people perish. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. You must know the Word of God. What you don't know will kill you. Amen. Amen. Where we receive the Word and where we believe in the Word is with the heart. Not the eyes, not the lips, but with the heart. When the seed is sown into the heart, it must be believed in the heart and kept in the heart because if it's not continued to be believed and kept in the heart, the devil can come in and take it out of the heart. And that's what Jesus taught in the parable of the seed and sower. So when the word comes forth, you must not just hear it, listen to it, you must receive it, you must by faith keep it and allow it to work in your life before fruit can come forth. Uh, things are going to happen. Tribulations are going to come. That's going to give you an opportunity to be offended at the Word. But you're going to have to cling to the Word and, and, and make it through the, the tribulation or whatever's there. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's, let's uh, look at this because I, I want to... Let's just start in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we see by that statement, against such there is no law, uh, Paul is still here trying to get the Galatian church to see that under the law, the fruit of the Spirit does not exist. Only under grace, trusting in Christ and what He did at Calvary, will the fruit of the Spirit ever come about. The Holy Spirit has to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, fruit is the result of the Holy Spirit being allowed to work. And if the Holy Spirit's not being allowed to work, He can't bring forth, he can't, uh, uh, bring forth the fruit that you need. You understand that? Where God is at work, the fruit of God is seen. If the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not being seen in your life, then that means He's not working in your life because your faith is not in the place where He's allowed to work. Again, He doesn't just work anyway. He only works in truth, Psalms 33, 4, Romans 8 and 2. The Spirit of God has a law that He works by. You need to know these things. These are important things. So let's, let's look at verse 16 and 18 and 24 where we're about to dive into verse 24. But look, because all three of these verses are together. Really, they, they go together. Verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now verse 18 says, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. You can't be, you can't walk in the Spirit unless you're led of the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't lead under law. He doesn't lead under law. And I have to say this, law is not talking about just ten commandments of Moses. Law, is, law could be something as silly as you setting a red tomato on a shelf and thinking when you have that, that lust of your flesh to go and do something or to, or to take your mind off into some sinful activity that all you have to do is stare at that red tomato. Just stare at that red tomato for three minutes. That's something you're doing to try to fight the urge. That's a law you've made up. Or it could be something such as the government of 12 that churches have fallen for, the seduction of the enemy, or the purpose driven, or the anything that tells you what you have to do when God says He's given us His Spirit so that we would know what He freely offers us. And what you receive freely, you don't work for. You receive it by faith. Amen. So to walk in the Spirit, you have to be led by the Spirit, and He never leads under law. Look at it again, verse 18. If you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why are you not under the law? Because He doesn't lead under the law. 
He only leads under grace. Listen, the Holy Spirit only leads us to grace, points us to grace, which only comes through faith in the cross, the death of Jesus. So that's what the Holy Spirit is constantly pointing us to, whether we're lost and without God, without Christ, or we're born again. He constantly points to Christ in His sacrifice. And you might say, well, no, He points us to the Word. Let me remind you, even under the Old Covenant, when Aaron would read the Word, they had to come and sprinkle the Word, the people, and almost everything with blood. Because without faith in the blood, the Word means nothing to us. The Word, you can quote the Word all day. And listen, believing that the Bible is true ain't going to do a thing for you unless you believe in the truth about the one who the Bible's about. It's Jesus. So without faith in the cross right now, for all the Word ain't going to help you. Because if your faith is not in the cross of Christ, hear me, grace can't come. And the Holy Spirit only points to grace, which is what God is doing, and He will only lead you in that grace when you come to it. And outside of that, it's just you. You might have some form of godliness. Everybody in the community might think that you're being led of the Spirit, that you always have a word, that, oh, you're such a spiritual person, but it's only a form that has no power if your faith is not in the cross and you're not pointing people to the cross because only from there comes grace. And if it's not grace, it's law. See? So... This I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now we have to add this today. If you are not walking in the Spirit, you are already fulfilling the lust of the flesh. See, you have to, with simple knowledge, you have to turn that around. If God's telling me that if I walk in the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh then I need to have sense enough to know if I'm not walking in the Spirit, I'm fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Because I'm resisting the Holy Spirit. And He, le and he won't lead me under law. He led me out of law, under grace. Jesus came to redeem us that we're under law. So if you're led of the Spirit, you, you're not under the law. That's always been, since I learned that, such a powerful, powerful word. That means you can make a law out of water baptism, and they have, that teach that that saves. No, it can't save because it's something you do. I know I say this all the time, but we don't have one iota of a clue how deep this deception is in the pulpits and in the pews. I'm talking about in churches that written, they're not even up there preaching it, but people are still out in the pew and they've got thoughts about, I'm glad I was water baptized. Yeah. You'll ask them. And the preacher's not even preaching that, but they're out there in the pew believing it and they need to hear somebody telling them, anything you do is just you if it's not the Spirit of God leading. And He only leads under grace, which is what God did at the cross in Christ and what He does now based on your faith in that. Because everything He does is by grace. That means it's by His working in and through us. And He won't save you by an act you perform. He won't save you by an act you perform. He saved you by grace, which is what He did at Calvary. Somebody needs to hear this today. And if you look at verse 24, it all ties in these three verses. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The moment you were born again, even before that, from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, God chose you in Christ because He saw your faith one day that you would be one of those people that believed in what He sent His Son to do about your sins. And you accepted that. You believed that by faith. You received the grace of God and, and God saved you through your faith. That's simple. But Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. This is a past deal. And I know people say, well, the cross is in our past now. We need to move on. Let me tell you something. The cross was in God's past when He set the world in motion. But He kept moving on. What was He resting in? On the seventh day, the Bible says His love, Zephaniah 3.17. He's resting in His love. What's His love? How did He demonstrate His love toward us? By what He did at Calvary. 
He had already took care of all our sinful issues, everything, the power, the provision, and the presence of God we would ever need from before the foundation of the world. And then he just rested. That doesn't mean he went to sleep. No, because he's still working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Are you okay this morning? So, it, the cross has always been in the past with God. Oh yes, it, it had to happen. And it did. You had to show up and believe and get born again. And you did. It had to happen. Hebrews chapter 4, I think it's verse 3, says that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Well, what does that mean if Jesus had to come and get on a cross and die for us and then say it was finished? Was it finished then or was it finished from the foundation of the world? Both. Hebrews 4.3 is talking about the mind of God, the plan of God. God never starts anything that He hadn't already finished. Because to God, He sees it all right now. Everything. A billion trillions of years from now, whatever that, whatever's going on, God, it's before God now. He, God don't go to sleep and wake up and say, oh wow. <laughs> he don't get tired. He don't get hungry. He's God Almighty. And everything that will ever be is in Him. It's before Him. So that's powerful. So they that are Christ, are you Christ? Amen. How are you Christ? By faith in what He did at Calvary. And when God saw His Son dying for you, because of your faith, He saw the representation of Christ was so powerful because He's the last Adam, which means the last one God would send to represent humanity. And when God saw His Son dying for the sins of the world, your faith allowed God to see you way back even before the foundation of the world because He sees the whole plan at once. But he not only saw Jesus dying for you, he saw you dying with him. The representation was so good. Yeah. And I, some people scratch their head and go, oh, I just don't know. Well, when you showed up in this life, you were a sinner because you were in Adam way back in the Garden of Eden and he's your daddy. Yeah. He's everybody's daddy because he's the first. If you don't know, <laughs> you know, you hear that saying, who's your daddy? Well, till you're born again, Adam's your daddy. When you're born again, now you've got a heavenly Father. Yes. Glory to God. That's good news. Hallelujah. But the first Adam was the representative of all humanity. He was a living soul formed of the dust of the ground. Jesus was not a living soul. He was a life-giving spirit. That's right. God is a spirit. Jesus is God who had a body, bone, flesh, and blood. And He is a life-giving spirit. That means through faith in what he did at Calvary, that dead spirit you have is born again and comes alive because of your faith in him. And let me say it again. When God saw his son dying on the cross, he saw that every sin had ever, that would ever be would be atoned for, paid for. And all those that would believe in Christ, he saw us dying with him. Do you not know that when God saw Adam sin in the garden, that, that uh, uh, Adam, God saw all of us in that moment as sinners. Every person that would ever be. Adam represented all of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God saw Adam sin. God saw Fredine that day. He saw me that day as a sinner. Remember, God sees all things. He saw all of humanity sinful from that point on. Every child born, not, be, not becoming a sinner when they sin, but sinning because they're already sinful when they get here. But Jesus, the last Adam, hanging on a cross, dying for all humanity, laying his own life down, when God saw that humble, obedient act unto death for the sins of our sins, not his own, he saw him dying, but he saw us. Just like he saw you in Adam, he sees you in the last Adam. Through your faith, pleases God. It's the only thing that pleases God. Amen. So, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. The answer is the cross. And it's... 
If you're led of the Spirit, you can walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because your faith is in what destroyed all that. See, that's good news. That's great news. The answer is not you going a, 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 and doing something, running around the house ten times till that desire's gone. That desire ain't leaving. You're just too tired to think about it now. People got all sorts of silliness, man. I'm telling you, they all put Uncle Luther's penny in their pocket. I'm talking about Christians. They're up reading the horoscope. They're, they're trusting in everything but that act, that one righteous act that Jesus performed. And it was that one righteous act He performed. Not all His obedience before the cross. Not His righteous acts before the cross. It was His humility that led to obedience of death that identified you with Him. That's it. All before the cross didn't save a soul. He had to live a perfect life and the life He lived uh, made Him available to us as the perfect Lamb of God without sin. That had to happen, but His perfect life didn't save you. His death saved you because He died for you. He died for us. God didn't baptize you, immerse you into the perfect life of Christ before the cross. He immersed you into the death of Jesus. Remember, that's where God sees every person that will ever be born again is at the cross. God doesn't overlook sin. God looks through the cross at sin and offers mercy to whoever will believe. God's not overlooking sin today. He looks through what He did at Calvary at sin. And those who come to Him through what His Son did at Calvary, they get mercy, they get forgiveness, and they also get a victorious Christian life receiving daily by simple childlike faith that what Jesus did is enough for me. I can't add to it, and I better be careful not to try to take away from it. And every word in the Bible is about Jesus and what He did at Calvary. I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care what they say. Jesus is the living Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the living Word of God. The, this is so powerful. And, and last week I think we stopped and we were going to talk about the word meekness a little more. And I, I've got the definition here. And, and most of us know what that means. Meekness is gentleness with humility. While humility is that which trusts only in God's way of the cross. And, and I say it all the time and it needs to be repeated all the time because even most in the church think, thinks that uh, humility is, is some kind of mannerism. Humility is not a, a yes ma'am and no ma'am. Oh, he's such a humble man. No, he's a nice mannered fella possibly. But humility is the only thing God gives grace to. It's the only thing God, give, God gives more grace to the humble. When you were born again, you had to humble yourself from all your works, all your thoughts about what I've got to do to get to heaven. And you had to simply be broken down and accept God's one way. His name is Jesus and what He did at the cross for your sins. You, you were humbled when the gospel came forth and you believed it and He saved you. Not by what you did, but by... What? Grace, which is what He did. That's, that sounds like such a simple thing, but I'm telling you, there needs to be a lot of teaching on grace. A lot of teaching on grace. Because we're still trying to work for what we've been given freely. Everything. I mean, it can be as simple as thinking I've got to go to it and we won't even know we're doing it. Thinking I have to go, and ain't nothing wrong with going to the altar. We all need to go to the altar. But if you're not careful, you can actually be in a place where you think that going to the altar and crying before God is going to get you something. And it's not you going to an altar. It's not you shedding tears. It's your heart believing unto righteousness. And righteousness only comes by grace. And grace only comes through your faith in the death, the death, the death of Jesus. Amen. And people say, well, no, brother, I, I, you know, I believe in the cross, but, uh, but I also believe in God's Word. If your, faith, if your faith is in the cross, then that means you're not going to go buy these books on all these fads that are out there and get up and preach them if you're a preacher. 
you're going to use the scriptures to point people to Jesus. He said they're about Him. Unless we see Him in the light of the one who said, I am the light, then we're out of context. We're holding God's Word out of context. So grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to know that God was in Christ reconciling sinners to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Who was in Christ? God was in Christ. Think about that. And it's the only avenue of grace. That, and I've said this before, and man, I just love it. In Hebrews 2, 9, the Bible says Jesus... By the grace of God, that means, listen, that means what God was doing in him. Because he had to live as a man, not God. He had to walk as a man being led by the Spirit of God that led him to the cross to do what he was sent to do. And Hebrews 2.9 says he did it by grace. He tasted death for all men by the grace of God, which is what God was doing. God has done this. We have not done this. God has done this. And, and he, the, the, the clearest picture uh, in, 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 uh, in its, let me say the clearest picture, the type and shadow is seen in the Garden of Eden. When God rushed into the garden after we sinned, God is the one who gave the promise, told them of a coming a Redeemer that would crush the devil's head and he would have his heel bruised. And, and then God is the one who performed the sacrificial he didn't tell Adam and Eve because they didn't know what to do. They were in a sinful mess, hiding from God, running from God, which is what sinners do until they hear the glorious hope that comes with the gospel. And in the gospel, God tells us what He's done, offers us grace, which is us accepting what God has done, not what we do, and then say, God, will you accept that? No, He won't. He only accepts what He's done. And God was in Christ, reconciling sinners to Himself. That's grace. And, it, and the Bible explains it. Let me read it again, Hebrews 2.9. That Christ tasted death by the grace of God for all men. And when the Bible in the book of Psalms says, Oh, taste and see, knowing that Jesus taught Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom or even enter it until you're born again. That means you, you, that tasting and seeing only happens through faith in the cross. And I need to taste and see more than on my day of salvation. I need to see, taste and see after 40 years of being saved. And it can't happen except by grace. That means by faith in what God did in Christ at Calvary keeps me seeing today what God is doing in and through me today. I don't have to be ignorant of what God is doing, what He's saying. We don't have to be on the outside walking in the dark. The Word of God is the light for our path if it's in the context of Jesus Christ who said, I am the light. It is our daily bread. If it's in the context of the man who said, I'm the bread that came from heaven. Glory to God. It's all about Jesus. We said it for years and didn't have a clue what we were saying. Till God brought us back to our first love, found us out there broken, wondering why nothing was working. I'm tired of this, just the same old thing, habitual routines. I'm sick of going to church. I'm sick of this. Listen, you come back to faith in the cross and there won't be enough church for you. You come back to faith in the cross and you will find a live hope in you again because that's the only place God brings grace. And with grace you get a lively hope. You get everything God is offering because it's all by grace through faith. Jesus is our example. He lived by faith in what God was doing, His Father, in Him. He said, I don't say a word unless I hear my Father say it. I don't perform one thing unless I see my Father doing it. What is that? That's faith. Faith in what I'm hearing from the One who sent me. He lived by grace through faith. And the only avenue of that for every day of my Christian life is the cross. Amen. This will make a mummy shout, hallelujah. This, man, this will raise the dead. 
The gospel will raise the dead. The gospel will grow limbs out on, on places where there aren't any. The gospel will bring the right mate into your life. The gospel brings all the provision, the plan, the presence, and the power of God into your life. But working for the things God freely offers keeps you on the outside looking in, finding a place of burnout because you want to be led by the Spirit. And, and you may be in a church where you, you, you get up there and you've got a whole bunch of shaking and going on and, and there's some big form and, and show, but when you leave, nothing's changed. The message of the cross is the power of God to those of us who are believing properly. I'm telling you, you may have to choose to leave a church. You may have to choose to leave a ministry, to leave a pulpit. You, but listen, it's more important to be in a place where the Spirit of God can lead you. Where the lust of the flesh won't be fulfilled. Mm. And the answer is the cross. But back to meekness, it's gentleness with humility. And humility, again, this is where we got kind of took a rabbit trail. Humility is the only thing that gets you grace. And so if humility is the only thing that gets you grace, that means that you can only be humble in the eyes of God if your faith is right now in the cross. Not 30 years ago, 10, 5 days ago when you were saved and now you're moving on. No, you're not moving on with God unless your faith stays in the cross. Now, there, now how sad is this? For those of us who for years, uh, some people, 60, 70 years, just to go on and be with the Lord, having wasted their whole life teaching false doctrine. Without the Lord, they had to, they had to work to put on a show all their life. Ministry is not hard. Men make it hard. Men are stressed out. Men are burdened in wrong ways. I'm not talking about the good burdens. Men are burdened and men are stressed out from ministry. Ministry, listen, if it's true ministry, it brings the peace and the joy. It brings the wisdom and the power and everything you need. Not saying it won't be tough days, but listen, faith never burns out. Faith never quits. And true ministry is by faith in what God did at Calvary that gets us the grace we need today to continue to run this race. To continue to love when we're being hated. To continue to pray for those that are despitefully using us and bless those that are cursing us. To go the extra mile. To turn the other cheek. To find the anointing of the Holy Ghost. To be able to do what the Bible tells us to do. It only comes by grace. And grace is not just floating around. Grace is what God and God only works in the truth. Psalms 33, 4. I don't quote it near enough anymore. I need to. For the word of the Lord is right. That means outside of that, there ain't nothing right. And all God's works are done in truth. And all His works are done in truth. Now you've got to be simple now. If all his works are done in truth, that means he's not working outside of truth. And when people say, well, only go back to experiences. And let me tell you about experiences. They don't prove, it's a, you can't prove your experience is a move of You can't prove that. You hear me tell the story all the time. I'm not going to tell the whole thing. Make a long story short. The Muslim in the congregation for several weeks, couple of months, crying, hands raised. Everybody thought he's just a saved Muslim. After a while, we realize by what he tells us, he's not saved. He, he, he's, he's a Muslim. Right. Believing in Islam or whatever. Yeah. So it don't matter what... There can be many forms, but they're all forms without power. Yeah. And the Bible says forms of godliness, that which to you and me would look like godliness. But without the power, in his eyes, it's not godly. The only people who are godly, and I don't, all Christians are godly. They've been made godly, but it doesn't mean they're walking in a place of godliness. We can turn our, all of our Christianity into works. Well, shouldn't we be working? Yes, but it must be the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And you can't just say it is because that's a form. It, listen... It, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it could be good news if you'll just grab a hold of it. If you won't humble yourself, if you won't walk in a place of meekness and admit 
when you've not been pointing people to the cross, you've been pointing people to law. And they haven't been being led by the Spirit. They, they, even when they bring a word, it's a word out of context. There's, there, let, let me say it again. There can be a great form. The Bible tells us to turn away from those that have a form that are denying the power. The Bible says the power is the preaching of the cross. It's simple. Well, brother, you, you can't tell me that wasn't God. I'm not telling you anything except to look in the Word. And if your faith is not in the cross and it's in something else, grace ain't functioning in your life. You're functioning calling it grace. Think about the thousands of men who've written books who, whose faith is not in the cross and everything they've written outside of faith being in the cross is law. And people buy them up. Big sellers sell millions of copies and, 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 and they go and they do these three steps or these five steps and they're under law. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're walking under grace, being led of the Spirit. You don't have... We've all... Have we all found ourselves, well, apparently I ain't being led of the Spirit. He didn't lead me to say that. He didn't lead me to do that. Oh, help me, Lord. And we found ourselves maybe not able to explain it, but we were fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Mm -hmm. People say, well, my faith is in the cross. Well, maybe for those 30 seconds, your faith was in you thinking you had to tell that man a word or two giving him a piece of your fleshly mind. Well, while you were doing that, can I tell your faith what you weren't trusting in the cross, you were trusting in you having to give him a piece of your mind. And then you, you wrote it off as good, a good deed, because you said, well, at least I was honest. Yeah. Oh, spiritual, don't we? No, you ain't honest before God. That's sinful. Oh, but we write it off. Oh, we justify it. At least I'm honest on my mind oh I wished you wouldn't and so does God until you get the right thing on your mind as long as your mind and the things of the flesh I don't want to hear from you but when you start minding the things of the spirit tending to the things of the spirit because you're being led by the spirit walking in the spirit because your faith is in the cross then I won't, I won't listen to you you, you might have something to say to me. Nobody else does. Anybody whose faith is not in the cross, they, they preach uh, uh, something different. It doesn't matter if they're nice, sweet, uh, uh, polite, and their mannerisms are wonderful, and they would, would change a flat tire for you on a lightning and thunder and stormy day, or pay your electric bill. If they're not pointing you to Calvary, they're not helping you. They might help you with that flat, but they're not helping you spiritually. Hmm. So, James 4, 6, Scripture says, but He gives more grace. How many of you need more grace? You want more grace if you're an obedient child of God because Peter, in the Word of God, wrote that we should be growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. True, true. Not, not some other... You're, the only grace God allows us to grow in is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which He tasted death by... It's the only avenue of grace. But James 4, 6 says, He gives more grace, wherefore He said, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And grace only comes through my faith in the cross. Not 30 years ago faith in the cross. Now faith is the... From the cross to something other... Words I speak, money I give, good things I should be doing. My faith can be in my prayer time. Well, I've prayed 30 minutes. God, uh, because of that, I'm expecting this sin to fall off my life. Well, it ain't going to. If your faith... Listen, the only place the lust of the flesh and its affections were dealt with was at Calvary. Not in your doing something to deal with them. Christ dealt with them. And did away with them. Defeated them. Amen. So, when we see God giving grace, it means God is at work. And if God is at work, the fruit of God will be manifest. Doesn't mean we're perfect, because we're not. But it does mean you're growing. Grace is something we grow in, right? So what's that mean? That means God is doing more in my life today than He was a few days ago. 
is what God is doing. We're growing in our trust, in our love for Him. We're growing in what we're allowing Him to do in our lives. God, you saved me. I remember you delivered me from cigarettes. You delivered me from the alcohol. You delivered me from the foul mouth. And today, you're still trying to de- deliver me. Well, I hadn't got enough fingers. Correct. Deliverance is something we constantly walk out. And, 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 it's, and it's a fight of faith that never ends because the, the lust of the flesh never go away. Your lust of the flesh may not be what their lust of the flesh is, but you got lust of the flesh... Because you're in the flesh body and it lusts. Amen. It may be to, uh, to, to, to be the big man on campus. It may be to, to, it may be for you, to, you, you, you mean you may be lusting after women or men or money or whatever it is. You got a, a lust of the flesh issue. It never stops knocking. It's a constant striving between the flesh and the spirit. You know, uh, people, they, 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 I'm not getting into all that. Lord, help me. God has promised that it is only the meek who will inherit the earth. Jesus taught that. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5. He says, blessed are the meek, meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Who's going to inherit the earth? The meek. Who are the meek? Those who are trusting in the cross of Christ alone. Because meek means humble, and only the humble get grace. The people who think they're ruling the earth today, think they know best, think they got to be in charge, listen, without Christ, they're not even going to be here when, it, when the true order sets in. This is, a big, this is a big mirage right now. I mean, it's real, but, but the most real thing about it in the eyes of God is in Christ. Because only those in Christ are going to inherit the earth. A new earth. Without sin, without flaw, without anything wrong. I'm looking forward to that. The next one is temperance, which means self-control. And the only way one can uh, control self is if God is in control. You've heard me say it before. There's only one thing man's in control of. Really, that's what he puts his faith in. Once you make that decision, you're out of. The, I mean, you're involved, but it ain't you running anything right now. If your faith is literally, I believe my only object of faith is what Christ did for me at Calvary. That's what I'm trusting in. If I need a new job, if I need a wife, if I need uh, healing, I, I, my, my faith is only in what God did in Christ at Calvary. That's it. I'm not going to go by it. I'm not going to speak it. I'm not. I, I'm going to believe it with my heart that Christ did enough for me. Calvary I need. That's my only object of faith. And, and, and when, that's, when that's the case, then the Holy Spirit is now leading me. In the Spirit. But listen to me, if my faith is not in the cross, even if it's in ignorance, even if it is for salvation 40 years ago, but today it's been moved to something else for the presence, the power, and the provision of God... Hear me very clearly this morning. I'm not in control. The Lord is not. He is in control of all things, but He's not leading me anymore. My flesh, the enemy, can lead me. And you heard what I said earlier. The only place the, God sows the Word is into the heart of men. But the Bible says the devil can come and snatch it out. If you don't see it valuable, more valuable than that tribulation that's coming at you, you will get offended at the Word and, and you, you will allow the enemy to steal it out of your heart just because tribulation. Distress. Hard times. Well, God, what about this? No, you know what God's going to ask us? What about my son? Look to him. Lest your minds grow weary and faint, consider the one that endured such contradiction of sinners. So we always need to share that with people. If your faith is in the cross, the Holy Spirit's leading you. And if He's leading you, that means He's working in you. And if He's working in you, that means the fruit of who He is is going to be manifest. Amen. All right, moving right along here. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. It's a done deal. But you have to walk in the done deal. You have to walk in what's finished, what's been offered to you. 
So look at verse 25. We've talked about verse 24, 18, and verse 16, how they're all three tied together. And also, uh, verse 25 really is too, because the... It says, if we live in the Spirit, and it really should be because it's a, a, a conclusion, it's a whatever they call it, it's a, a sense we live in the Spirit. Your experience, the only place you can experience life is in the Spirit. Not in a church building. In the, they that worship God must worship Him in Spirit and in truth because God's a Spirit. If you're worshiping some picture on the wall thinking you've got to get through that picture to God, you're not getting through to God. If you think you're going to pray to Mary and get through to God, you ain't getting through to God. Amen. Amen. Watch this now. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Where did you begin to live? When you were born again. Put it together. You were born again. That means you died and you began to live immediately in a way that you never lived. You, you begin to live in the Spirit. And because we live in that Spirit, in the Spirit, Colossians 2.6 bears witness to that. As you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him, just like you were born again. That's why all the thousands of people all over the earth today, God is bringing His remnant back to faith and grace, back to focus on Christ and His sacrifice. And every one of them have the same testimony. I feel like I'm born again all over again. Why? Because they're back in the place where the life of Christ is being experienced. Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, to live, for me to live is Christ. If we're really living, it's Christ. If we're really living, it's more than a church service. It's more than a Bible reading plan. Thank God for those and prayer and giving and fasting and all the things we've been given to do by grace through faith, not for grace. A lot of people are working for grace. Well, if I do this, I'll get the grace of God. No, if you'll believe Christ and what He did at Calvary, you'll get God working in your life again and you'll have that same testimony. I feel like I'm born again, all over again. That's because you came back to the place where God works in truth. It's the only place He works. Powerful. If we live in the Spirit, since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory. Did you get that? A vain Provoking one another, envying one another. We are only called according to the Word of God to provoke each other, one another, unto love and to good works. If I approach somebody and say, I've been missing you, you ain't been in church in about six months, uh, you know, we've been missing you, love you, praying for you, and they get offended about that, they, listen, God's reaching for them. I didn't walk up and say you're going to hell because you ain't been in church in six months. I just said we've been missing you. They get under such conviction, they go home, well, uh, you know, last time I was there, you know, they didn't, she didn't do this and they didn't do that and I saw the way he looked at me and you know, uh, they got every excuse in the world because they're not walking in the Spirit. If you're out of church because you got offended, you're offended at the Word of God. You might call it Sister Bucket Mouth or blaming them, but that happens under law. Can't nobody keep me out of church but me. Can't nobody keep me out of the Word but me. You know, these people, they, they, they're, they're offended. They say with her or him or them, but they're offended with the Word. They're offended with the Word. When you quit, throw the towel in, run off and go your own way and make all these excuses, you're the one not trusting in the Word of God. And it shows where your faith is not because, boy, they don't lose the testimony. Oh, no, my faith is still in the cross, brother. Oh, I hear your lips blabbing together. But when your heart begins to believe in that message, oh... It'll be when you're broken and humble and accepted again. Not just saying it. 
True humility gets the grace of God. And if God's at work, there's the fruit of God at work. And it's not just what you want to call the fruit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit that's in the Bible. The fruit of God at work is an obedient man, woman, boy, or girl who's obedient to the Word. You understand that? Where we're just blatantly, well, I got my own reasons. You just said it. You got your own reasons. Amen. Amen. Didn't mean to... pick on anybody this morning, but some need picking on. In love. Walking in the Spirit is maintaining faith in the cross. I hope you've heard that. I hope you've gotten that today out of this message. Uh, we, we've preached a series recently, 11, 11 uh, sermons on the cross life. In all reality, we've been preaching the cross life for almost 14 years. Because if you're not living the cross life, you only have a form. And here's very, very deceived through, through its deceitful lusts. They think, that, and I said it starting out, they think God is just going to do what He does anyway. And I got news for you. The book of Galatians, God is going to use this letter to bring a large number of people out of witchcraft, out of make-believe, out of forms of godliness. He's going to use this letter. It is the Word of God. And he's going to bring a multitude of people out of a place where they've been working themselves to death, preaching themselves to death because there ain't been no life there. They've been without the grace of God. They've worked hard. But God is going to open their eyes in this letter just like he did to a few that read this letter from the pastor that got this letter in Galatia. I've moved my faith. I love God. I'm trying to love God. I personally love other things that I hear. and, and, And I know this is not heard, but I believe it. I don't the only way we can love God truly, biblically, is by the faith He loves us with. And if my faith moves from the cross to what I'm doing, no matter what the good thing it is or whatever. The love I now have for God, although I may say I love God, it's not the same love that I had when I was walking in the Spirit. Lost people can love their spouses, but it ain't the agape love. It's not the love that God loves them with. They love each other in a different way. We worship God by faith. We give to God by faith. Everything we do is by faith. So get ready, we love God by faith. And if our faith is not right faith, so I know we're hearing things and we're going to hear greater and greater things that bring greater conviction that the true heart, the heart that is believing properly will accept these things. And I'm telling you right now, I'll be dead probably, but God's going to use this great letter and the book of Romans to bring a massive number of people out of religion, out of dead works, back to the works of God. going to happen. It's already happening. But it's going to happen at, at a, greater, a greater level. You know, what happens if we don't walk in the Spirit is that we are being desirous of, of vain glory. And the Bible simply, plainly teaches in Hebrews chapter 1... Uh, that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. What's, what's the rest of it? He's the brightness of God's glory and the... I'm drawing a blank here. Hebrews 1. Somebody help me. You theologians in here this morning. He is the express person of His image. He, he is the brightness of God. There is no glory in my life of God without my faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. When I move my faith from the cross, I'm not going any longer from faith to faith, from glory to glory. I can get in a sanctuary and cry, Oh, God, send the glory. He's already sent the glory. Amen. When He gave His Son, listen to this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory. 
but those who've accepted Christ by faith in what He did at Calvary, now we have that very hope of glory living in us, who is Christ. But the experience of Christ happens through our ongoing daily faith in the sacrifice. The book of Galatians refutes any thoughts that says God is working anyway. We can stifle Him, grieve Him, stop Him. And it's not that He won't start pointing, sending people to point us in the right direction, but as far as a sanctifying work, it ain't happening. That only happens in the faith. Church don't know that. They don't know that. I'm telling you, 90%, 90-something percent of the church thinks whatever God's going to do, God's going to do it anyway. And when preachers like us come along, they say, boy, that's a hard sucker right there. Who is that? Where'd he come from? I ain't going to listen to that. Well, you're not, you're not ever going to walk in a place. Not because you don't listen to me, but because you're not listening to anybody who's really preaching. You know, the last days they'll be, the Bible says they'll have itching ears that just want to be scratched with everything but true doctrine. They will fall away from true doctrine. which The only true doctrine is the, that form of doctrine that freed you from sin. Amen. See, if we're not walking in the Spirit, we'll be desiring some vain glory. We'll be like Ken Hagen telling folks that purple haze that came in under the door was the glory of God. No, that was something burning out there. The glory of God is Jesus. Mm. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. What's happening if you're not walking in the Spirit? You're desiring a vain glory. Think about that. When you're in a congregation full of people who said, I don't need the cross, I just need all this. And they're calling God send the glory. That's a vain calling for glory. Think about it. Provoking one another. Envying one another. That happens outside of being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. That all happens. Hear me today. It happens regardless of what you say or think or want it to or don't want it to. You can't stop it except by walking in the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit prevents that from taking you over and, it, and those things being fulfilled in your heart. Amen? And we go from envying one another and provoking one another in vain, uh, desiring some vain glory to provoking one another in love unto good works. Mm-hmm. Look back at verse 13 as we close this session out today. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, because all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Look, he says that right before he begins to give this Revelation of walking in the Spirit. If you don't know what it means, if you're, if, if you're, it doesn't matter if you're ignorant of it or not, if you don't know what walking in the Spirit, if you're not walking in the Spirit, that means faith in the cross alone, you, you can't walk in a place where love is fulfilled. You can't walk in a place where your intentions are for others more than they're for you. You, you can't walk in a place where you can, by love, serve each other. That only happens in the Spirit. And when that is happening, the fruit of the Spirit is being seen. You can minister to people who, who don't love you. You, you know, uh, Andrew recently went to a meeting and, and the people, uh, they're calling God, uh, Mother God now. We have a heavenly mother. And, and they presented the Word uh, to them and they just wouldn't believe the Word. And, you know, Andrew, I guess, having seen so much and heard so much and knowing the message of the cross, I mean, it grieved him something horrible. But, but it, didn't, it didn't send him off into some irate frenzy where he just went nuts. He, he, he just... He understands they're blind. And they're not willing to accept the truth. The Word of God is truth and outside of it there is none. There's no revelation of Christ outside the Word of God. Amen. That's right. 
God's not going to show you Jesus in some tree bark out there. He's going to show you Jesus in the Bible. I mean, there's all sorts of nuts. So, you know, the problem in our political world today is they're without Jesus. If you got Jesus and you're walking by faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you strength and joy and peace. He's going to keep you in a place where you're... We preached it Wednesday night. He'll keep you from the strife of tongues and the pride of men. He'll keep you... Well, don't mean you won't be surrounded by it, but He'll keep you from it. That's good news. What's He saying there? Even in the Old Testament, He's showing us that something that's revealed here that we can be kept from the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh, which is, a part of that is strifeful tongues, pride of men. I mean, we can be kept from that. And we are being kept from that. Peter said we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Praise God. I'm glad you joined us again today for Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. And uh, I hope that you join us every Friday morning right here live. You do have time if you listen today. Then you got time next week too. But if not, catch us on the archives on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316 or the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.